0: Josh Easton here, Israel Uncensored, on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. It is Monday, the 29th of August, 2022, the 2nd of Elul 5782. Hope you are well, hope you are safe in your part of the world. Coming to you from a very, very hot gushitsi on Israel. The entire country, actually, very, very hot temperatures here. Throughout the Land of Israel, all week long, we are experiencing some sort of crazy heat wave. Apparently this air is coming in from the east, from Iran and Iraq, and we'll get to Iran in just a few minutes here when we talk about all the news from Israel and the Middle East, but it is crazy, crazy hot, and it's supposed to remain uh, as such until the end of the week. So everyone out there, if you're in Israel listening, make sure you drink plenty of water, stay out of the sun, stay out of the heat, keep cool, stay in the air conditioning, And I can't imagine what it's like for our IDF soldiers now stationed throughout the country, especially in places like the Dead Sea or the Jordan Valley or a lot where it's in some cases up to 110 degrees or so Fahrenheit. But nevertheless, we'll get right to the news here. The IDF has been busy uh, here on uh, Monday. Um, IDF soldiers near Janine this morning went after wanted terrorists and a firefight ensued with those terrorists thank god no injuries to our idf soldiers after they surrounded a house and called for one of the bad guys to come out according to the idf spokesperson unit as reported by the jerusalem post uh, palestinian so-called media arab media later reported that the idf had arrested a senior figure in the Palestinian Islamic Jihad P.I.J. terror organization, one of the Al-Quds Brigade heads, reportedly here seven other Arabs injured in the fighting. On Twitter, the IDF said that overall nine terrorist suspects were apprehended, two M-16 assault rifles were confiscated. At the same time, I saw just a couple of minutes ago another a bunch of weapons uh, discovered by the IDF, somewhere in the Jordan Valley. And also, I think it was two days ago, an Arab from Jerusalem tried to sneak in a bunch of bullets and other weapons parts, uh, actually into this area where I am, into Gush Etzion, and he, thank God, was thwarted from carrying out this uh, smuggling attempt, which could uh, could possibly have led to uh, some sort of uh, terror attacks. So temperatures are rising outside and as well as on the on the uh, terror front also here reported by the jerusalem post terrorists fired at a pillbox post north of the community of afra that's in the binyamin area on sunday night no injuries reported there an hour later shots fired toward a military position by silwad northeast of ramallah the IDF also stated that a shooting was carried out at a military post near Shechem. The IDF returned fire and began searching for the suspects. In both of those cases, uh, no ins- uh, no casualties, thank God, among the Israeli forces, uh, neither in Binyamin or a little bit further north in the Shomron in Shechem. So that's what's been going on over the last several days here. IDF... Arresting or taking down the bad guys and, uh, and the terrorists shooting at Israeli positions in different places throughout Judea and Samaria. I've talked about this before throughout the years. Times of Israel reported that Hezbollah leader Hassan Nasrallah met with a delegation of senior Hamas officials in Beirut on Sunday, according to the Lebanese-based Akbar Al-Yan News Agency. Nasrallah met with notable decision makers from the Gaza-based terror group, including one Osama Hamdan, who is based in Lebanon and serves as the senior Hamas representative in that country. The meeting comes days after Nasrallah discussed regional developments with PIJ terrorist chief Zayad Nakale. In that meeting, according to a a media report here from Lebanon, the different terror organizations, Hezbollah and PIJ, discussed potential future cooperation. And they also discussed the next stage, whatever that means, without giving details. Both meetings come amid heightened tensions between Israel and Hezbollah. Of course, Hezbollah, a terror organization, a proxy, a Lebanese proxy of Iran. Tensions between Israel and Hezbollah over offshore fields thought to hold natural gas deposits and repeated threats by Nasrallah that have raised concerns in Israel over a potential flare-up on our northern border. And I mentioned heading to this report that we've talked about this before. And what I mean is here you have different terror organizations. You have Sunni, you have Shia, you have Iranian proxies, all these different groups from different countries. Normally, perhaps they would not get along. But when it comes to Israel, they have no problem putting all of their ideological differences aside and focusing on their main goal, the destruction of the Jewish state. It happens all the time. Let's put it all on the side and focus on our common enemy, Israel. They don't say Israel, of course. They call us the Zionists. They won't mention the state of Israel. But uh, when it comes to Israel, no problem. Everyone... Everyone gets along. Give peace a chance. Hardly, but uh, but still, these terror groups working together, uh, trying to develop ways to collaborate when it comes to attacks on the Jewish state of Israel. And sticking with that theme, <clears throat> excuse me, that seems to be the theme of today's show. Uh, now that I'm noticing here, uh, TPS reported IDF soldiers arrested. Um, this past Saturday, five Arabs, Arabs suspected of, of attacking Jews who were marching with Israeli flags at Nebi Samuel, the site traditionally recognized as the Prophet Samuel's grave, just north of the capital's remote neighborhood. We're talking about Kever Shmuel. Footage of the incident shows the assault of two Israelis who were carrying Israeli flags by a mob. ...of Arabs carrying what are called so-called Palestinian flags. Isn't that like the Jordanian flag with something missing? Uh, One Israeli managed to escape while the other was knocked to the ground, viciously beaten... ...until border police troops arrived at the scene. victim was lightly wounded and refused hospitalization, according to I-24 News. So that's just, uh, you know, you're a Jew, you live in Israel, you're holding an Israeli flag... ...and you may come under attack, unfortunately... Uh, That is the reality here at a Jewish holy site. At the same time, uh, World Israel News, WIN, reports that a seven-year-old Israeli girl, and this is very, very scary. The other thing was scary also, the other news. A seven-year-old Israeli girl was shot in the stomach on Shabbat on Saturday morning while playing in the front yard of her home in the community of Kochav Yaakov, just, just north of Jerusalem, only 10 minutes north of Jerusalem in the Binyamin area, or the southern Shomron, if you will. The girl uh, identified by Hebrew language media as Bracha Solam, transported by MDA paramedics to Hadassah. Um, it's crazy. I read some of the uh, report here and some of the um, testimony here by... Some of the family members and this poor little girl felt like something stung her in her stomach. Turns out she got shot. The IDF said in a statement the girl was likely shot accidentally by a stray bullet fired from the direction of Kalandia, nearby PA-controlled Arab town. However, a security official expressed doubt over that characterization of the incident. Speaking to Arut on Israel National News, the official said he believed that terrorists had intentionally shot at the town and that perpetrators had successfully fled the scene and evaded capture. So there are uh, different reports as to what exactly happened here. But at the end of the day, a Jewish girl went out to her yard, was shot uh, by Arabs, whether it was recklessness, a stray bullet, you know, That's what they do at some of these uh, weddings under the PA. They shoot all over the place, up into the air or whatnot. Or on the other hand, maybe this was a deliberate terror attack, and they try to murder a little girl, and we've seen that before. So it would not surprise me if this was an intentional attempt to end a Jewish life, to snuff out a Jewish life. And thank God uh, for what I understand, the the girl who was shot in the stomach is is doing okay. Uh, So thank God for that. Let's get in some politics here. Ynet reported over the weekend that Israeli lawmakers Bitzal Smotrich and Itamar Ben-Gvir announced on Friday that their respective factions, the Religious Zionism Party and the Otzma Yehudit Party will run on a joint ticket in the November 1st election. The merger between the two, uh, the two leaders was brokered by former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, who's the head, currently the head of the opposition, According to the terms of the merger, Smotrich will head the faction, with Ben gvir acting as his deputy. Netanyahu welcomed the agreement. He said that unity is the order of the day to ensure the victory of the national camp and the establishment of a stable national government, government for the next four years. So instead of these two small parties eating votes from each other, uh, these two did the right thing, in my opinion, and united so that votes would not be wasted in case Separately, one of these two parties would not pass the electoral threshold. Um, Israel National News added that a new poll uh, released shows that a joint right-wing ticket of both of these parties would win 12 seats in the Knesset if elections were held today. However, all that being said, and again, I'm glad that they merged. All that being said, as reported by the Jewish press this morning... With 64 days to go until the never, November 1st elections, the side that's expected to get the first crack at forging a coalition government—that's Benjamin Netanyahu—is still stuck without the necessary 61 mandates, according to the, these uh, the latest polls, which were released this morning on Radio 103 FM. So, if you figure Likud wins 32 seats as projected, together with the 12 of the two parties I mentioned before, and another 15 of the religious parties, Netanyahu's bloc would only have 59. However, if the current prime minister, Yair Lapid, tries to uh, form a government uh, with uh, Benny Gantz, Gidon Saar, and the others, Yisrael Beitenu, labor, merits, and whatnot, they would only have 55. So right now, the numbers are 59, 55. Which would mean Israel would possibly be headed to be headed towards a sixth election if the numbers hold. And again, there's so much uh, more uh, electioneering that will be happening between now and November 1st. But that is just today's today's poll. So we'll we'll see what happens uh, there. At this point, Ayel Chaked's party, the Zionist Spirit, uh, remains below the 3.25 percent threshold. Uh, which could, according to this analysis by the Jewish press, which could mean good news for the right, if voters see Shaked failing time and time again to cross the threshold to polls, they could be convinced not to waste their vote on her and opt for either the Religious Zionism parties, uh Religious Zionism Party, rather, or Likud or one of those other parties, which is clearly over the electoral threshold. So we will see how this plays out over the next several months. Turning to Iran. Now, maybe we could have led the show talking about this because, you know, this is uh, front page headlines, especially since uh, Iran wants to wipe the Jewish state off the map and really the Western world, the United States and whatnot. A lot of Iran news as the U.S. perhaps will re-enter the JCPOA, the bad Iranian nuclear deal with and in this case, it's even worse, okay? The deal is even worse. There was an analysis by Lav Harkov in the Jerusalem Post this morning, which explains practically what the deal is all about. And it's even worse than the originally, uh, original deal from, I believe, what is it, 2015? Nevertheless, JNS reported today that Israel's defense minister warned on Saturday That the progress Iran has made with its nuclear program means that certain aspects of the nuclear agreement currently under discussion, specifically the so-called sunset clauses, are problematic. In other words, this sunset clause, if all the sides agree and the deal is re-implemented, would mean that Iran would be able to acquire a nuclear weapon when the agreement is over in 2031. Gans pointed this out, and again, that's if Iran sticks to the deal. This isn't even breaking the deal. Over the next nine years, Iran will go nuclear by upholding their end of the bargain in this deal. Uh, JNS reports that in recent years, Iran has produced thousands of advanced, advanced centrifuges. Benny Gantz was talking about this. If in accordance with the draft agreement, these centrifuges are stored and not destroyed, they will be immediately available to enrich uranium, once the accord expires or if Iran withdraws from it, according to Benny Gantz, our defense minister, he noted in particular the new advanced centrifuge cascade at Iran's Fordo nuclear facility, where he said Iran could rapidly enrich uranium to the 90% military grade um, whenever it chooses to do so. Bottom line, according to Benny Gantz, improvements are necessary in the nuclear agreement, with an emphasis on the Sunset Clause. Uh, this this was actually, the, he made these comments in the United States at a briefing after visiting the U.S. Central Command headquarters, CENCOM, in Tampa, Florida, meeting with U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan in order to discuss the nuclear deal, the bad nuclear deal. Uh, Gans reiterated to Sullivan that Israel is opposed to nuclear agreement, and stressed steps, he said, are crucial to preventing Iran from acquiring nuclear weapons, according to a statement from the Defense Ministry. The dialogue between the Israeli leadership in the U.S. has been conducted in a precise and responsible manner, the statement said, during the briefing Gans welcomed U.S. initiatives to strengthen cooperation in the Middle East and American military activities against Iranian proxies in the region, but emphasized that Israel would continue to act on its own in this regard. Following that meeting, our Prime Minister, Yair Lapid, front page of today's newspaper, today's Jerusalem Post, uh, the U.S. will not reach a good deal with Iran without credible military threat. This is Prime Minister Yair Lapid warning on Sunday, yesterday. World powers have to get Iran to sign a much better agreement, what the Americans themselves, said Lapid, called uh, longer and stronger. Such an agreement can only be reached with a credible military threat, so the Iranians see they will have to pay a heavy price for their recalcitrance. Lapid argued that the U.S. presentation of bunker-buster bombs able to attack Iran's underground nuclear facilities was what led Tehran to sign the original agreement back in 2015. He said a good deal would be longer and that it would not have an end date. Again, the focus... From both of these gentlemen, our prime minister and defense minister, is on this end date. In terms of the agreement being stronger, the prime minister said the oversight would be tighter. It would also deal with Iran's ballistic missile program and its involvement in terror around the Middle East. Uh, Lapid said he instructed the IDF and the Mossad to be ready to protect Israel's security in any scenario. The Americans understand this and the world understands this, said our prime minister. So without getting into every single detail, the agreement with Iran, if the U.S. re-enters, revs up this agreement one more time, Iran would get billions and billions of dollars. Again, even if they stick to the deal and can go nuclear and work on their nuclear capabilities, in another eight years, they get billions of dollars, while all the while continuing to sponsor terror Enhance their uh, their missile capabilities, sell oil, etc. And everyone got excited. Remember that the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps would still be considered a terror organization under the deal? Wow, that was a big victory, right? According to Joe Biden, President Biden, this was a huge victory. We'll still consider this Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps a terror organization. So what? It's the same logic the same warped logic that says Hezbollah's political wing or Hamas's political wing is kosher and the so-called military wing isn't. And this is absurd, okay? The leaders in Iran are terrorists, even if they are so-called politicians. And there's really no difference between them and those actually going out and carrying out these terror attacks all over the world. It all starts at the top. It starts with those who decide what the goals of the country are, of Iran, what the morals of that society are, uh, are. And Iran daily threatens to wipe Israel off the map and the U.S. And the Biden administration is caving because it is weak. So, as we've said before, Israel, and both the Prime Minister and the Defense Minister have said this, Israel will have to deal with it alone. If the Americans re-enter this agreement, which would just Basically, give the Iranian regime billions, literally billions and billions of dollars. It's a payout. This is an an act. It's like a mob mafia payout. Okay? You behave. You get billions. And then, of course, they won't behave because that is not their goal. Their goal is to develop nuclear weapons, ballistic weapons, carry out terror attacks, wipe Israel off the map. That is their goal. And a weak administration, unfortunately, in Washington is paving the path for Iran to go nuclear, paving the path for Iran to continue terror attacks all over the world. Israel has to be strong, folks. We have to be strong. This is an existential threat, and we have to do what is necessary, regardless of who likes it, who's happy with it, or not. You know, I've been spending a lot of time on Twitter the last couple of days. So much hate for Israel out there. So much anti-Semitism out there. Of course, disguised as anti-Zionism. People are falling for it. And Israel continues to be a light upon the nations, continues to be a beacon of hope and goodness and strength and just wonderful things, the things Israel is doing for the world. And here's just one example here. I'll give you a couple as we get close to the end of another edition of Israel Uncensored here on the Land of Israel Network. Uh, Ynet reported that Israeli play therapy and an Israeli play therapy method helps Ukrainian children cope with wartime reality. That's the headline. The Sheba Medical Center partnered up with Oranim Academic College have developed a therapeutic tool which is helping Ukrainian children deal with the trauma they experienced. The method has already been successfully applied at Israel's Kochav Meir Field Hospital in the Ukraine, and consists of a therapeutic game that allows the patient to process their new reality and restore a sense of normalcy as much as possible with a series of linked guiding guiding instructions. And you can go to Ynet. I'm not going to get into all the details of this game, um, but I will say it allows children to visualize an alternate reality through which they can share their fears and concerns for kids with PTSD um, in an unbelievable uh, initiative here uh, created in Israel, developed in Israel, which is helping the Ukrainian children who are living in a war. Unfortunately, we know war all too well here in Israel. And now here is Israel giving back to those who are under the threat of attack in other parts of the world. So that's one story I saw from Ynet. At the same time, Israel 21C reported that Israeli oral and maxiofacial surgeons, Oded, Nachlieli and Michael Abba have performed complex procedures on dozens of children in the Republic of Equatorial Guinea on the west African on Africa's West Coast since 2014. People may not not know that I didn't even know that these guys were these two doctors were performing complex procedures on African children. On their most recent trip, they trained local doctors to use a remote surgical uh, collaborative system developed by an Israeli startup headed by Michael Abba. He's one of the surgeons. The name of the startup is Orvizio, O-R-V-I-Z-I-O. This technology allows surgeons in Israel to guide complex surger- surgeries anywhere in real time. And this is something that uh, Abba, the doctor, realized during the uh, pandemic that there has to be a way for surgeons to address these complex surgeries to help other doctors in real time when they cannot physically be there. And This is what. They learned as a result of the pandemic, and they're sharing that technology and information with uh, countries in Africa. It's not only Equatorial Guinea. It says here uh, Cameroon, Gabon, all these other countries are going to benefit from it. In fact, the goal, uh, said Nahlieli, was to build a medical clinic in these uh, African countries, enabling local doctors to use the remote surgical collaboration system to perform complex facial surgeries. Bottom line, you have Israeli doctors sharing technology using, utilizing Israeli startup technology to help, uh, people specifically children in Africa, um, who are in need of surgery to help carry out those procedures as safely as possible and this is an Israeli initiative carried out by these doctors with the backing of Israeli technology and you know you would think what what do what does Israel have anything to do with the republic of equatorial guinea on the african west coast and they've been doing this now for 8 years and they've been going over there carrying out surgeries and now putting together a platform help doctors in these African countries. That's what Israel is. That's what we do. We develop the technology. We share the technology. We save lives. We change people's lives, whether it's in medical care, water, agriculture, whatever it is. That is what the Jewish state does, a light unto the nations. And the BDS haters out there, they can't stand the stuff. So as I always say, <laughs> if you're a BDS Israel hater and you're in Africa and you're in need of a complex facial surgery, do not use the technology provided by this uh, company or Vizio. Stay away, okay? Suffer in silence and really stand strong uh, with your BDS anti-Israel hate. That's my advice to you or... We're going to label you a hypocrite. Just an unbelievable story here, as was the other story, as well about how Israel is helping Ukrainian children. And that's going to do it for today. Another edition of Israel Uncensored on the Land of Israel Network at thelandofisrael.com. Summer technically is is over this week with kids supposed to go back to school. I mean, there's there might be a strike. That's a whole a whole different topic. A teacher's strike, which would delay the start of school, which is scheduled for Thursday, September 1st. But in theory, if the sides can come together, uh, summer is, I guess, over. I mean, even though it's 100.4 degrees outside right now in Gushatzion and 110 down on a lot. But heading towards the end of the summer, heading towards the high holidays, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, Sukkot, just less than four weeks away. And uh, we'll do our part here at the Land of Israel Network to keep you updated on everything happening in Israel, the Middle East, and the Jewish world. Get in touch with me during the week, josh at thelandofisrael.com, on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Big shout-out to Ben Bresky, engineer extraordinaire, Tabitha Epstein for everything she does behind the scenes. And just want to wish everyone out there a wonderful week. Be safe, be healthy, only good things. Shalom, shalom from Judea. Gush just south of Jerusalem, the eternal capital of the state of Israel and the Jewish people. Have a blessed week, everybody. Take care. Hi, this is Eve Harrow, host of Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. You can hear a new show from me every Sunday and every day of the week shows from another one of my very talented fellow show hosts. Reach me, Eve, at thelandofisrael.com and keep listening, everybody. We love your feedback. The Land of Israel, coming at you every day, every week. That's the Land of Israel Network on thelandofisrael.com.